When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. that we begin this evening. But first, last week I shared a call from Kate in Wisconsin, in which she described witnessing an old woman transmortify into what Kate described as a large, antlerless moose that then proceeded to crash through a copse of trees. I absolutely love the story, and judging from the number of comments we've received about it in the past week, So did a lot of you. So I thought I'd go over a few of the comments here tonight. Comments that might help shed some light on what might have happened that day in Eau Claire. But first, let's get ourselves in the mood with a similar story out of South Carolina. John, welcome to tonight's program. Hey, this is John from South Carolina, Aiken, South Carolina. It was around 2017 when I had this experience. I was actually staying in Augusta, Georgia, but I was coming to South Carolina every day. In a neighborhood I used to stay in South Carolina, a lot of my friends were seeing this big dare lately and stuff. So it was one night I had went out. I was going back to Augusta, and it's like some dark back roads. As I'm coming down the street, I notice like a deer, like by the stop sign. And I'm like, oh, that must be that big deer everybody's been talking about. So I'm like, oh, he should, right beside the stop sign, I'm like, oh, he's about to run off, like, as I get close. So, as I'm coming down the hill, I notice it's still standing there. And I'm like, whoa, it's on two feet. Like, and it's staring straight at me. So, as I'm coming down, I wouldn't even look 
when I get to the stop sign, I'm making sure no, because either you got to turn right or left. And I'm looking for lights because I just want to go on out because it's like I can't believe what I'm seeing. Two feet, like probably standing, I was in my Tahoe and it was taller than my Tahoe when I look out my front of you. So I didn't really stop. I was just making sure nothing wasn't coming and I went on out there. It wasn't no other cars on the road, just me at a certain time. I went on out there. As I go out there, I make the right. I'm going down the street, and it just felt like it's in the back seat. So I'm looking back. I'm about to have a wreck because I'm, I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, man, what was that? And I'm thinking, like, was they seeing that? And they just thought it was a tall deer or whatever. So the next day, I was like, hey, I seen that tall deer or whatever, like, just see what anybody say anything. Nobody ain't really say nothing, so I, I never told nobody about it. But I know what I seen is a good neighborhood rack and was staring at me the whole time. It was like it was waiting on me. And it reminds me of the, like, I looked online, like the behemoth, everything that, um, with the Pentagon on it. That's exactly what it reminds Like it was that behemoth with the Pentagon on it, like big, tall horns. And it was like, I wished I would have looked that more, but it was like, I couldn't even look. Because it was like, I can feel it just gazing at me. Like, even when I went by the stop sign, I feel it turn this, and it would just look. And I kind of was looking out my peripheral, like, oh, I just wouldn't even look over there. And I tried to forget about it, watch the on. like, oh, it must be the dare. I'm tripping, but no, I know what I've seen. Anyway, that's my story. I don't know. I've been telling people lately around the neighborhood just to see anybody seen the same thing I've seen, but I haven't heard anything yet. Thank you. I mean, I enjoy your podcast. Thank you, John. Okay, let's get the obvious out of the way here. Deer can stand on two feet for short intervals to reach high leaves or fruit or when fighting with each other or inanimate objects which they are also prone to do. So what I'm getting at here is that it's possible that John saw a large buck and said buck was in a one-sided battle with a stop sign. These male deer can act crazy during mating season. This theory might hold some water since he only seemed to see it out of his periphery. But he didn't really describe it as a deer. More like a goat, I would say, based on his description. He compared it to a behemoth with a pentagon. But I believe he meant Baphomet with a pentagram, which is a popular visual representation of Satan, the devil, old scratch, Beelzebub, Mephistopheles for some, I don't know. So maybe it wasn't a deer at all that John saw. It doesn't really seem to fit the description. And I don't want to jump to any conclusions here, but it almost sounds like the infamous Goat Man to me. Well, Goat Man, Deer Man, Moose Lady, all upright ungulates. Similar, but not the same. And speaking of the Moose Lady that Kate saw, I did want to cover a few comments we'd received in response to that entry. Beginning here with this message sent in anonymously. Hello, I'm a Choctaw Nation tribal member from Oklahoma, 
and I think the caller needs to look into deer or elk lady. You are on the right track. It's not a skinwalker, but same premise. We do not discuss these things with people we do not know, because doing so can have unintended consequences, and some tribes may even consider doing so taboo. I cannot speak for them or their beliefs, but just know, if they won't discuss it, there's a good reason. Now this person went on to give specific advice and further information, but asked that I only share that info with Kate. So Kate, if you're listening and would like that information, shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com and I'll get it out to you. Now, dear listener, I know you're curious, so I'll just say that much of what our mystery writer had to share can be found in the legend of the dear woman. There's a mystery out there. Have you ever felt like you were being watched? The elders call her Daktiwal, dear woman. A dear woman comes around when they have those traditional activities. Wear a scarf on her head that comes to a point up here, you know. She'd always cover her head. You couldn't see her face. And as far as I know about the deer woman, deer woman's always been around. She is a, a spirit form. Uh, I believe I even heard a shape shifter. Now that clip from a documentary called Deer Woman. What the Elders Say, courtesy of Dark Productions. And although it doesn't feature members of the Choctaw Nation, it does feature elders from the Omaha. So again, close, but not the same. But truth be told, the story seems to be the same every place that I hear it. Now, as for those comments, Rob wrote in to say that the fiction novel Only the Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones features a similar story, but with an elk instead of a moose. And Todd also chimed in to mention that the book Northwoods by Bill Schweigert also sounds similar, relaying that the Ojibwe tribe in the Wisconsin area fears a creature they call a djinn, which you might recognize as a Middle Eastern legend. Now, if you're a reader and Kate's story piqued your interest, maybe give those two a shot. Now, Frederick Frankenstein suggested that the story reminded him of the Morrigan of Celtic mythology. I was not familiar with this legend, so here is what I learned via Mythopedia. Appearing before great battles as the goddess of war, death, and fate, the Morrigan offered prophecy and favor to heroes and gods alike. She was often depicted circling the battlefield in the form of a raven to carry away and eat carrion though she could also appear as a beautiful woman to seduce powerful men. She was a cunning shapeshifter and a terrifying omen of death to the characters of Irish mythology. SFDKO3291 said, Was it a moose or did it look like a moose? I keep thinking of Motor from the Netflix movie The Ritual. Well, that's a good question, SF. I thought the same thing when I first heard it. Was it a moose, or did it look like a moose? I like the way you think. Now, A from Patreon suggested that the truck driver was an angel, or maybe the third man, a concept we talked about a hundred years ago, back on season one or two. 
and I'm still waiting for that truck driver to call in. And trust me, I'll let you know the moment that he does. And finally, we heard from Bill by way of a phone call from the very state this whole story went down. Hey, Derek, uh, Bill Chappie here calling. Say, uh, I live in Wisconsin. The last time I was just listening to Monsters Among Us, uh, the favorite show about the Moose Lady of Eau Claire, and I just about fell out of bed. I couldn't believe it because I've been in that area, worked in that area many years, and uh, our office was at 306 South Dewey Street, uh, seven-tenths of a mile where this happened from. Cyber City TT, Yellow Page, there's not a lot of salespeople, a lot of people in there, but there's a lot of people that live in that area. I now live two or three hours south of there, but uh, when I found out it was only seven-tenths of a mile away, it really knocked me on my feet. I couldn't believe it. The story, like you say, has <laughs> got to be the best story I've ever heard ever anywhere. It really, I've heard it five or six times, and it just, when I even think about it, it just sends chills down my spine. The lady was so detail-oriented, and you can just tell by listening to her, there's no way that she's making any of this up. It was pretty tragic on her end. But anyway, the Banbury Place over there is a big old foundry building, and uh, I guess there was a guy that got electrocuted and killed in there. So it's haunted, and it's now, I think it's residential and a little bit of commercial. It's just a huge, big building, but that's right down by the river there. So I want to go up there, but before I do that, I wanted to talk to you about it because I know you have great interest in it too. And it uh, really, I've listened to a lot of paranormal stuff of that to me, especially being in my state where I've worked and walked by that place a thousand times. It's absolutely amazing. It's got my adrenaline rolling. And I thought about even going up there and looking into that woods. I know this happened in 2019, but if uh, it was knocked over, the woods in that area, I know where that would be would be knocked over like she said there would still be trees you know bent in half up there i would think um, to find something like that which i'm more than happy to go up and check out so anyway you outdid yourself on that story i mean with the the skinwalker and the woman old woman i mean can you just picture it the suitcase turning into legs of a moose i mean wow anyway <laughs> We got some nice snow here, and it's a beautiful area of the state of Wisconsin. I mean, it's just, Eau Claire is this old town that you kind of come into, and then you're coming down the hill toward a valley and a river, the Chippewa River, the Eau Claire River runs through there. It's an old college town, and it's a beautiful, old, historic place. And I did find a couple other paranormal things. There's a woman that was run over in the street there that was out jogging one day by a drunk driver, I guess. But they still see her running down the street there. But pretty cool stuff, man. Anyway, have a good day, Derek. You do a great job. Talk to you later. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, please do head down there and see if you can't figure out where those trees were broken off. Like I said last week, I'd love to get a picture that might help us get to the bottom of this mystery and bring a sense of closure to Kate. Because as Bill mentioned, she seemed pretty shaken up. Now as for what to look for, I'd of course look for broken or bent trees as described, but also maybe moose tracks or droppings. And if you see anyone walking around, Maybe just ask them if they've seen a strange moose in the area. 
let them elaborate on what that might mean themselves. Now, regardless of what you find there, Bill, please do let us know. I know a lot of us are just dying to get some additional information on this story. Now, like many people, one thing I resolved to do in the new year was eat healthier. During the holiday season, it's easy to get off track, but Factor Meals have really helped me set up for success so far this year. We really struggle with what to eat each day for lunch. We get bored with the same old things and takeout is expensive and unhealthy. Not to mention how long it takes to cook and clean up. But Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Factor's meals are chef-crafted, dietitian approved and are delivered straight from your door. Best of all, they arrive fully prepared and ready to eat in only two minutes. They have options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and much more. They're perfectly portioned, and I gotta admit, I'm a pretty tough critic when it comes to food, and I was blown away by how flavorful and fresh the meals are. I even texted Sarah from across the house to tell her how much I enjoyed my first meal. And hey, they even have breakfast, snacks, smoothies, and plenty of other customizable options. You can change your order each week, as well as pause or reschedule deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com forward slash MAU50 and use code MAU50 to get 50% off. That's code MAU50 at factormeals.com forward slash MAU50 to get 50% off. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to the strange figure crossing that dark desert road. Now this next entry takes us to the state of Ohio. My old stomping grounds, in fact. Christina, welcome to the program. Hi Derek, my name is Christina and I'm from Toledo, Ohio. I'm a first-time caller but long-time listener. I'm calling to tell you about the haunted house that I grew up in. For over two decades, we dealt as a family with a variety of paranormal activity. We would hear footsteps, electronics would go crazy sometimes, our pets would look at or react to things that were not there, and we would often feel like we were being watched. For me personally, I also had experiences with being scratched. My bed in my bedroom would sometimes just vibrate without, and I couldn't figure out why, and my mom and I were once slapped simultaneously when we were talking about the activity. The activity was just would happen so often that most of the time I just ignored it and it didn't really bother me that much. But there were two things that happened to me that really, really got to me and they still bother me to this day and I just, I, I have no explanations for them. The first one was that I was in my bathroom one day and I was getting ready to leave. And at the same time, our neighbors, they had a house fire. So I was getting ready to go, and then I, I suddenly hear my dad go, Hey, Christina! And I was in the back of the house, and so he would often yell if he needed something or had a question. Um, and so I'm like, Dad? Yes? Hello? And he didn't answer. I go looking for him. I find out that I'm the only one in the house. 
and my dad is across the street looking at the fire. So that really bothered me that it knew my name, that it it uh, somehow was able to mimic my father. But then it brought back a memory of years before that when my grandma had lived with us. And there was one time she got so mad at my mom saying that my mom was calling for her. And my mom was not calling for her. And my grandma's bedroom was the one that was next to mine. And my bedroom is next to the bathroom that I mentioned. And most of the activity seemed to be centered towards the back of the house. But the second thing that happened that, and this one really bothered me more than anything else, was one time I was in that same bathroom and I was taking a shower and I heard five loud knocks on the other side of the door. And, and I mean, they were really loud. So I thought it was my sister because she lived with us at the time and I thought she needed something. So I told her to come on in. Nobody opened the door. Nobody came in. And I was like, what the heck? So I got out of the shower. I put my robe around me and I went looking and I was home alone again. Um, and so I, uh, I was really freaked out. I grabbed my cell phone. I still had soap in my hair, so I had to go back to the bathroom. I went back into the bathroom, closed the door, called my mom, and I started telling her what happened. And as I'm telling her, there's five more loud knocks on the door. And I'm standing right next to the door, so I open it. Nobody's there. My mom actually hears the knocking from the phone, so she knows that I wasn't making it up. Not that I would, but... This last experience traumatized me so much that from then on, I would never close the door when I would take a shower. I would never want to be home alone when I showered. It still bothers me to this day. Anyways, I have a ton more stories to share from that house. There's a lot more things that happened, a lot more crazy encounters. Like my mom has had a lot of stuff happen to her as well. And I no longer live there, but my parents still do. So I still visit from time to time. And my mom says that the activity is still happening. Well, thank you so much for listening. I really love the podcast. And I can't wait for more. A recent Patreon subscriber. Keep up what you do. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Christina. I used to work in downtown Toledo as a screen printer. Right out of college. It was an interesting little city. But as for your experience, it's almost like you were playing a game of ghost bingo here. You seem to check off nearly every one of the boxes. Electronic manipulation, pet reactions, footsteps, mimicry, knocks, moving beds, scratching entities. It sounds like it was a very active environment. And it's easy for me to say, as a hopeful skeptic, that it would be great to experience even half of these events. But I'm sure, like Christina... As an unsuspecting person, I bet it was a downright nightmare. Thank you again, Christina, for calling in. Now, if you have a story you would like to share here on the show, simply call our hotline at 888-608-NIGHT. That's 888-608-NIGHT. Or record a voice memo on your phone and email it to me 
at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now this next one comes to us from a cabin in the woods. Mike from Maryland. Welcome to the show. Hey, this is Mike from Maryland, and this happened this year, 2022. It takes place in West Virginia. My wife and I bought a, uh, a mountain house or a cabin uh, on about 12 acres of land on the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, and uh, we basically go out there every weekend. This was the wintertime. Uh, we had driven out there, do a lot of outdoor stuff there. It's great. And anyhow, this is a relatively new structure. It was built in, I think, 2009, and like I said, we had kind of just bought it this past year and it's great we, like i said we go there on the weekends and but anyhow um it was a it was a weekend night uh, it was a saturday night i don't know what woke me up uh we were sleeping and i kind of sat up in bed i was like i gotta go to the bathroom or something and i noticed uh on the wall this is a by the way this cabin is it's all log it's all wood it's it's really nice but there was the only way i can describe this as is a vibrating uh, ball of grayish light. It was like a ball of, it just looked like a grapefruit-sized ball of light that was kind of moving. It was kind of twitchy and moving back and forth. And at first, I was like 100%. There's something, you know, this is like a, a bad floater in my eye because I've had this before, even though I have good vision. I think maybe that's a floater. I just woke up. So I kind of rubbed my eyes. I looked. It was still there. It was kind of moving, you know, kind of erratically back and forth and up and down and just kind of no direction is just it was, it was just kind of moving around it was slowly making its way up the wall i looked at my phone to see what time it was it was like three something in the morning i looked back it was still there so then at this point i was a little concerned because it didn't move with my eye you know it wasn't like this weird thing i was looking at moved when i my field of vision changed so i got up i tried to wake my wife up she basically had those things on her eyes when she goes to sleep the little eye shades or whatever because i like to read when i go to bed and she doesn't like that so she basically told me to shut up and um but anyways i i'm watching this thing i'm standing up at this point i wasn't scared or anything i, I just had no idea what it was but it worked its way up uh we have an a-frame type of log cabin it worked its way up in the bedroom to the ceiling to where the the ceiling peaks and it just went right and disappeared and there's a dirt road a little about maybe 75 yards we have a long driveway there so it wasn't like some weird light that came through but i was almost convinced it was something with my eyes so what i did was you know, obviously I turned the lights on. I, at this point, I woke my wife up. I was like, you know, this was weird. You know, what, what is this thing? And so I actually called an ophthalmologist in my family. He suggested that I go and get my eyes checked. And so I did. I went to my ophthalmologist. They did everything to, you know, check my vision. I have 20-20 vision. They dilated my eyes to make sure there wasn't like a detached retina. And I'm a pretty skeptical guy. I'm not really sure what this was, but there was definitely something there. Uh, I don't know if it was some kind of weird form of static electricity or something but it was weird i figured i would leave this with you in case you could check your archives or you know anyone else has had any weird experiences like that but it was definitely weird uh never seen anything like that before or since so anyhow keep up the good work appreciate the show uh, i don't think i could get through my daily commute without it so anyways man thanks a lot and keep it up thank you mike now this is one of those that can fall into one of many categories ghostly activity, the partial manifestation of a spirit or a poltergeist, or perhaps one of those spook lights that we hear about oh so often, a glowing orb of energy that tends to appear in the same place more than once. Or maybe ball lightning, 
a phenomenon that we've talked about several times in the past. And frankly, I don't have an answer here. I suppose it could have been any of those options, or even something I hadn't even thought of. So my guess is as good as yours. But I do want to commend you, Mike, for trying to get to the root of the problem. Seeing an optometrist to make sure you don't have eye issues, now that's forward thinking. And if you happen to see this thing again, Mike, please be sure to let us know. And thank you again for taking the time to share your encounter. Now, next up, we venture down the eastern seaboard toward the Tar Heel State. Please welcome Lorraine from North Carolina to the show. Hey, my name is Lorraine. I'm from North Carolina, and I'm calling about my daughter with, I guess, is a glimmer man. She suffers from sleep disturbances, and with that, she has audio and visual hallucinations. But in this particular case, the reason that I'm reporting it to you is because it was so strikingly similar to the stories of the Glimmer Man or the pixelation with the things that people have reported. So she comes into my room just terrified. She's hyperventilating and she's, you know, an older teen. She's hyperventilating, crying. She wants me to sleep with her because it's just so scary and what she tells me that she saw is in her room she has three windows and she has her bed up against the wall her desk is an l-shaped desk and it covers one of the windows and her bed is you know right across from the desk so she says that she's not asleep in this instance she's up She's sitting on her phone. She's scrolling through whatever apps. And she says that she gets this impending doom feeling that uh, she feels terror just wash over her. And she says that she looks up and she sees this thing sitting on her desk. And it's not just sitting like a normal person. It's squatted on her desk and it's pixelated she said it's white and it's looking at her and she said that it took her several minutes to like break out of her fear to be able to come and get me and of course when i go there's nothing there you know i just wanted to share that with you she said that she's seen it twice more the other time that she saw it was outside of her window at a tree in our yard and it was just staring towards the house like as if it's staring at her but she said that there's no real features it's just a pixelized humanoid I don't know what what they are but um I've always talked of her sightings as you know related to her sleep issues but in this case because it was pixelized I wanted to, to let you know about it because it was so similar anyway that's all I have thank you Thank you, Lorraine. Now, I'll be honest, given your daughter's condition, a hallucination of some sort seems to be the most obvious answer here. That seems much more plausible than a near-invisible humanoid, sneaking not only into the house, but into your daughter's bedroom. But, that sort of thing has been reported before. 
so I had Delaney scour the internets for me and she managed to produce about a half dozen other accounts that claimed nearly the exact same thing. A shimmering, translucent humanoid hiding in the bedroom. A glimmer man, as many of you know it. Now here is one of those encounters courtesy of Lon Strickler's Phantoms and Monsters. I'm 36 years old and a military police veteran of 10 years. Last night, I'm pretty sure I saw the damn glimmer man. I usually toss and turn throughout the night, fully waking up for a few minutes before going back to sleep. On my girlfriend's bedside table, she plugs in her phone so you can see the light periodically shine when a notification comes in. As I turned over to face her side of the room, that's when I saw it. I've been in convoys, high-risk traffic stops, and patrols in Iraq, but no fear compares to this. It had to be at least six or seven feet tall and wide. From what I could see, especially in the shoulder area, it looked like it had some kind of, uh, I know this sounds silly, but small shoulder pads. Nothing big like football pads, but imagine baseball knee pads on your shoulder. When the light hit it, it did have that predator look to it, with slight glimpses of red, blues, and purples maybe, just like it was somehow bending light. I couldn't see the legs, chest, or face area, because I guess the light wasn't strong enough to reach it. What was even more scary is that it was moving while standing next to my girlfriend, like it was touching her in some way. It would seemingly reach over her nightstand and grab things, then turn back to her, doing all of this pretty fast. I laid there completely frozen, jumping up crossed my mind, then I quickly decided not to. If this is real, I don't know the risks. Is this thing capable of reacting? Would I upset it and something more severe could happen? From what I could see, my girlfriend was sound asleep while all this was happening. The whole full sighting lasted about two minutes. From there, I closed my eyes and began to say the Lord's Prayer over and over again until I couldn't see it and got the courage to roll over. I probably won't mention this to my girlfriend. It wouldn't help the situation. And I feel like the less she knows, the better. Now I've linked to that full encounter and the other Glimmerman experiences in the show notes. If you'd like to go, take a look. Monsters Among Us Podcast at gmail.com and click the show notes tab. So I hope this helps a little, Lorraine. I know it's not an explanation, but it's proof that that sort of thing has happened to other people. Or at the very least, they believe it has. So maybe that's the best jumping off point. Thank you again for calling in. Now folks, this next story is a bit more lighthearted. Rosemarie out of New York. Welcome to the program. Hi, my name is Rosemarie Edwards. I'm from Syracuse, New York. And... My story kind of goes back to when I was really young, around seven years of age. Around this time, I had unfortunately lost my grandmother on my father's side. And it was really traumatic for me because I was sort of close with her. I shared the namesake with her for my first name. Well, either way, one night after the funeral, my family decided to have sort of a little get-together. It was just like all of our family members on my dad's side at our house. And it was quite the 
kind of loud night, I would say. But after my mom put my brother and I to bed, it was just really difficult for me to fall asleep. And eventually when I did finally get some sleep, I woke up around, I want to say it was 3.40 p.m. Because the air in my bedroom got significantly colder. And this was like around early September to like mid-September. So, of course, I was thinking, did one of my parents come in and open the window? Well, I turn over and I'm face-to-face with this apparition. And this was probably my first time ever having a paranormal experience that I can remember because it was so ground into my brain after that that to this day I've never forgotten the fear I felt. And I recall my mom hearing me scream as I bolted out of my bedroom and ran into her and my dad's room, only to be told by her that that same apparition visited her and my dad when they were outside. And from what she could tell me, it was my grandma. Anyways, I love the show, you guys. Keep up the great work. And yes, have a spooky night. Thank you, Rosemary. We actually lost my grandmother on my dad's side ten years ago this month. I'll tell you, time just flies by. And so far, she hasn't made a visit. But I'm still holding out hope. Now, my brother and his family now live in my grandparents' old farmhouse. But I don't believe that she's visited there, either. So consider yourself lucky, Rosemary. As far as hauntings go... That's one I would be just fine with. Thank you again for the phone call. Now before I hit play on this next entry, just a quick reminder that our merch shop is open and almost completely stocked. Just visit monstersamonguspodcast.com and click the shop tab to get access to a bevy of Monsters Among Us gear, all shipped out from here in the studio. And we have a brand new beanie design by artist Kit Fox, and features a little ghost on the telephone. Hit up the shop and take a look, and you can find more of Kit Fox's awesome art on Instagram. Her handle is at KitFoxArt, and she also has an Etsy shop called Voodoo Pastry. Again, that's MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com, and click the shop tab. Now folks, this next one takes us to the skies. Please join me in welcoming Lana, from Illinois. Hi, Derek. My name is Lana. Um, I'm from a small town in Illinois called Kankakee, Illinois. It's a really short story, but when I was younger, I was probably like 13 or 14 years old. I'm about to be 25 this year, so it was a while ago. We were babysitting for my aunt at her house. It was like right by my parents' house, too. I mean, it was like two minutes away. So we go over there to babysit my cousin, and at that time, me and my friend were in the hula hooping. So we go outside because we're stealing my aunt's cigarettes, because <laughs> we uh, used to smoke. I used to smoke. I don't anymore. So we went outside to steal her cigarettes, and 
So we're going outside, we're outside hula hooping and stuff and just talking. Sober as can be. I mean, we're 13 and 14 years old. I mean, the only thing that we were smoking was nicotine. So, <laughs> so we're hula hooping. It starts like lightly drizzling. And we're like, oh, whatever, it's fine, you know. So we're outside for like maybe five, ten minutes. And then we see this light in the sky. And we kind of look at each other and we're like, do you see, like, we're like, do you see that to each other? And so this light, it's just like this, it's so hard to explain because it's just like this random light in the sky. And as it got closer, it got so big. It went from small, like, like it was like from zooming out to zooming in, like, like a photo or something. It was so far away and it was so small and then it came so fast. It was such a big light in the sky. Like it covered the entire, like the entire like view of the sky that we had. Like it was so huge. I can't even explain how big it was. Um, and so we literally like just, we were freaking out. We screamed, we ran inside. We're like, did you see that? Was that like, did we really actually just see that? Was that a freaking alien? Like, oh my God, if they're going to come get us now and stuff, like we were 13 and we don't know what to think. So yeah, it was like really scary to witness that young. And yeah, I mean, it was just a really intense experience seeing that huge light in the sky, just out of nowhere too. Like it was just randomly, we looked up at the sky, saw this light, started coming at us, like say like, like a shooting star or something, but it was coming straight like towards earth like it was coming straight towards the sky in the sky to like down low and it was just such a big flash of light like we didn't hear about like any like uh, light explosions like or like power line explosions or anything like that it was too far up in the sky like coming like towards the moon it looked like you know not obviously like literally going from the moon but it looked like that so yeah do with this what you will but that was my creepy i think alien encounter so thank you love the show and maybe i'll call back with some other stories later thanks thanks lana you know that sounds like something burning up in the atmosphere but something big and if that's the case something that size should have registered on the news And although Lana claims it wasn't, I believe it was. The following was from an article in the Daily Journal, a newspaper out of Kankakee, and was published on March 27th of 2003, a date that falls relatively close to Lana's approximation. Headline, Meteor Lights Sky Rattles Area Residents. It was shock and awe over the journal area last night as a booming flash lit the sky and rattled windows around the region. The spectacular show was the result of a meteor breaking apart in the atmosphere around midnight, according to Dr. James Schwade of Kankakee, a nationally recognized expert on meteorites. 30 fragments have been recovered at Park Forest this morning, according to Schwade, who was assisting police there today. Nicole Pollack, a Kankakee resident and the mother of four children, was unsure what happened early this morning and called the journal to inquire. I thought something blew up, she said. I know there were nuclear plants near Juliet and Wilmington. Now Pollock's mother, Judith Pollock, who works the night shift at the Embassy Care Nursing Home in Wilmington, said the sky lit up like day as she was taking a break outside with some co-workers. The younger Pollock said her North Entrance Avenue home literally shook several times 
It didn't feel like normal thunder. I have wind chimes on the front porch and they never moved. So there you go, Lana. What do you make of that story? Could that be the flash that you were referring to? And if not, I wonder what it could have been. Thank you again for taking the time to call in. Well, folks, that brings us to tonight's closer. And unlike a lot of the stories shared tonight, this is an experience you can have yourself. All that's needed is a little travel and the purchase of a ticket. Now, before I share Elisa's call, I need to catch everyone up on the history of Elisa's hometown. More specifically, Portland's Shanghai Tunnels. The Shanghai Tunnels, a series of turn-of-the-century basement connections throughout Portland's central city, all the way to the waterfront. Were people actually Shanghai through these tunnels? Certainly, a few men were shanghai out of these tunnels in Portland. It wasn't built for that purpose, though. The legend is that drunken men upstairs were drugged and dropped through trap doors to the tunnels, then taken to ships in Portland's harbor, forced into a brutal slave life at sea. Crimping or shanghaiing was quasi-legal in Portland, so there wasn't any reason for you to do it under all of this skullduggery. The Shanghai tunnels were actually built after Portland's great flood of 1894 to help drain water from basements and move goods from the waterfront to downtown businesses. They were mostly sealed off by the 1950s okay. as police battled homelessness and crime in Portland's underground. Still, the legend of the Shanghai tunnels endures. Now that you're armed with that seedy bit of knowledge, please welcome Elisa from Oregon to the airwaves. Hi, this is Elisa. I was a cook for Old Town Pizza in Portland for a couple of years, and it is a haunted attraction. There's a part of the haunted Portland tours. There's a couple of different companies that go through there. And it was also featured on, I want to say Discovery Channel, sort of a documentary for Halloween or whatever, or haunted restaurants. Anyway, Old Town Pizza is supposedly haunted by the ghost of a bereaved either sex worker or restaurant worker. I mean, it was many things over the course of its history. But anyway, this person apparently committed suicide or was murdered. This is a trope, like the crying baby bridge thing. Every city seems to have a location where a young woman who was either brokenhearted or a sex worker who was mistreated or whatever kills herself and haunts a place. So that's kind of the story with Old Town. And they have merch to go with it. And, you know, there's even the elevator shaft uh, that this woman apparently threw herself down or was hung or whatever. You can eat a pizza and that there's a table there for that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Old Town Pizza sits on top of part of the Shanghai Tunnel System, which is a series of tunnels underneath Portland. And as it turns out, that's where our prep cooler, like where we kept supplies for the restaurant, for the bar. So as a cook, as a worker, all, all of us had to go down there frequently to get supplies. And also that's where the office was and the safe. And I never had a 
any kind of willies going down there is really cool, actually. And sometimes you had to be careful to navigate around the tours <laughs> that would come through. Or, you know, you're running down to get some more mozzarella, and uh, there's a tour going in front of your cooler and into the tunnels access area there. So that was kind of neat. I was never scared, mostly because I'm apparently ghost-proof. Nothing ever like that happens to me. Even though I think it would be cool to have happen, I've never seen anything like that. And so I've never really worried about it. Anyway, uh, I worked the night shift and the last cook to close, or last couple of cooks and the, the bartender would finish out the night. And I usually was the last person along with the bartender to sort of wrap up the place. The bartender, of course, does the till and then takes that down to the safe in the office. There's one particular bartender who requested, nay, required me to go down with her to the safe when she went downstairs to the tunnels area. And I finally got her to tell me why, and she had an experience down there where she was shoved. So I find this interesting because this isn't part of the tour. This isn't part of the the story of why Old Town is haunted. It's interesting to me because the story is one thing, and yet people are actually having real experiences, just they don't line up with the whole dead prostitute thing. (laughs) So she was a very grounded person and actually was a teacher as well in the school system, and she didn't want to talk about it. It wasn't like cool and neato to her that she was shoved by an invisible force. She was actually genuinely intimidated by it. And that's why she wanted somebody to go down there with her when she went to drop the money at night. I have two other corroborating stories about that place. One is me. So I was in the building. It was just myself and our general manager. Uh, we were the only two people in the building. He was up on the third floor. It has three floors. It's like a, a raised sort of balcony-type dining area. And then the main floor. And then the, you know, tunnels. <laughs> and I was in the tunnels getting stuff, pulling stuff out of the, the walk-in cooler to take up to the restaurant part to start working on it. Just me there and, and him up on the third floor with a bunch of papers and working on some kind of accounting thing. And I exit the cooler, and I hear my name being called from the office, and it sounded exactly like the general manager's voice calling my name. And I don't have a super unusual name, but it's not a typical name. The point is, it was his voice saying it, so I thought, that's funny. This is a really old building. You can hear every creak of the stairs when someone comes down the stairs. I would have heard that. No, I didn't have the cooler door shut. So... I didn't hear him come downstairs, but that was him. That was his voice calling me. Walk in the office, responding with his name. Nobody's there. So I was shook up enough that I ran upstairs, looked from the main floor, called out his name, and he answered me from the balcony. Like asked him if he called me, and he said no. Anyway, so basically I heard something say my voice. Maybe it was an acoustical thing from the street honestly, but it was this guy's voice, and it came from inside, so I know I don't have any witnesses to back me up on that, but that is the one weird thing that happened to me there, and then this is part of the ghost tours, but it's a story that I first heard from other employees because it happened maybe months before my start at the restaurant. We get deliveries through a chute that's for street level, and it connects the street level to the, the tunnels area where we have our supplies. 
So you have to like catch stuff that's thrown down there. It was used for something else at some point, but now we use it for like restaurant supplies. So the delivery truck basically just throws our hazards on at the street and it's a narrow street. So it's a real pain in the butt for other drivers. (laughs) But the delivery truck throws our hazards on and puts all the boxes and things at the mouth of this chute and then starts sending it down the chute and the cooks, we have to catch it, catch the stuff. It's also good for um, kegs of beer and and, uh, surprisingly works out pretty well to catch the stuff from being sent down the chute. So we had this delivery guy who had arrived, delivered his stuff, and then when once they've sent all the stuff down the chute, they come in to have a sign-off on the invoice, right? So this guy had come downstairs to the tunnel area to get, presumably, the worker who had caught the stuff to sign the invoice. And while he's waiting around, because nobody's immediately materializing, and that's funny that I chose that verb, because he started to see something form. He said it was in the, not where the cooler is, but to the right of the cooler, like where the kegs go and, you know, paper supplies and stuff. He starts to see something form in front of him, like visually an apparition starts to like coalesce in front of him. I mean, that's his report. He, (laughs) he fled the scene, ran upstairs, got his thing signed off and told the GM at the time that he wasn't going to come back. Uh, And he didn't. We never had that same delivery guy again. Of course, the party line is that was probably, you know, the young woman who haunts the place. I think there's something haunting that place. I don't go for the trope, though. There's something going on for sure, but I don't think it's as easy as, you know, the usual crybaby bridge story. Anyway, that's my story. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Thank you, Elisa. Now, oddly enough, eight years ago this very week, I was in Portland, Oregon, and I, too, was touring the underground as part of the official Shanghai Tunnel Tour. And I was lucky enough to take a tour hosted by Michael P. Jones, one of the few that single-handedly reopened these tunnels for the public to tour some 25 years ago. Now, sadly, Michael passed away a few years back. But from what I gather, the tour still continues. So if you find yourself in Portland, you have a couple hours to spare. Take the tour. It was well worth it. And as a little tribute to Michael, I'd like to share one of my favorite stories he told us on the tour. Now this is not my recording, but rather property of Nowhere Video Productions. And I couldn't get a date on this video but I'm guessing that it's at least a couple decades old. If you were in the Old South End, the Old South End is where the Morrison Street Bridge is today. On the west side of the river, there was a place called the Snug Harbor Saloon. Two men got off a ship, and they hadn't had a drink for three months. And they headed right for the Snug Harbor Saloon. They started to walk through the door, and one of the men saw a trap door open the sidewalk. So he looked down at the base of the ladder, there was a barrel of whiskey. So he told his buddy, come on, let's go. We got free whiskey. They climbed down to the end of the ladder. Lo and behold, it wasn't one barrel, there were 10 barrels. They realized they couldn't drink 10 barrels of whiskey by themselves. So not to be greedy, every person walking by, they told me, come on down and have a drink. Pretty soon there's over 30 people in the underground getting drunk. Short time later, Joseph Bunkle Kelly, one of the more 
colorful Shanghaiers in Portland walked by, looked down the trap door, and he saw all these passed out men. Not one to let a good opportunity pass him by, he scurried down that ladder and he counted 35 men. When he got to the last one, he realized something was terribly wrong here. No one was breathing. They were all dead. And they understood what happened. They were not in the underground of the Snug Harbor. They were in the underground of the mortuary next door. They had been drinking formaldehyde. Well, like I said, not one to let a good opportunity pass him by. He climbed up that ladder, shut that trap door, came back later that night with a crew, and they hauled every single man down to the waterfront, sold them not for the $50 a head, but $55 a head, getting the extra money from the captains, claiming it took them just a little bit more money to get them this dead drunk. How can you sell dead men? It happened all the time. It's no wonder those tunnels are haunted. Now I'll point out he does talk about Elisa's former employer, Old Town Pizza, briefly at about the 18-minute mark for those connecting the dots. You can find the link in the show notes. Now Portland is a great town. Michael put on a great tour. And Elisa, you followed the trend. So thank you for sharing your history-filled entry. And folks, that's going to do it for this evening. I'll catch you all back here next week with a brand new installment. But until then, Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Crow Media. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Bowers. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. If you catch yourself online anytime soon, Please leave us a rate and review wherever possible. Follow us on our social media pages. And hop on over to YouTube and give us a like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to catch the show every Saturday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on the UnX Network Digital Radio. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Co.ag Music, Armchair Ambiance, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Until next time, keep it spooky and have a good night. Tonight's secret entry takes us back to Ohio. Michelle, welcome to the program. Hey Derek, this is Michelle from Ohio. So I just had the craziest thing happen. Like, I feel like I sound crazy about to explain this to you. So I was driving my kid to preschool and she goes to a preschool that's kind of out in the country. And it's like seven in the morning. And as we're driving, I see something fly over my car. And 
when I first looked at it, the first thing that came to my head was, oh, it's a bat, a giant bat or a dragon. And then I stopped and thought, because, I mean, it's first thing in the morning, and I realized, like, we we had bats in Ohio, but this thing was the size of, like, something that you would see in the zoo. It was huge. And I tried to, like, look and see. I didn't see any feathers on it. The head had almost, like, a diamond shape. And the wings looked like a bat's wings, where they were very leathery. You could see where the bones were at. And it had, like, a kind of long tail. The first thing that made me laugh, I was like, oh, it's like Khaleesi's dragon from Game of Thrones. And then I was like, that's not possible. Dragons aren't real. So the next thing I went to was a massive bat. Now, as far as I'm aware, we don't have anything like that remotely here in Ohio other than what's at the zoo. So I have no idea what it could be. But I figured it's a fun way to start a Monday morning. So hope that I can hear this at some point in the future. I love the podcast. Can't wait to hear you back on the air. And talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you, Michelle. Well, the hoary bat is Ohio's largest bat. And it only gets to be about six inches in wingspan. So probably not what Michelle saw. But I do know there are a few legendary flyers from that area of the country. Like Mothman or Big Hoot. It's an abnormally large owl that I'll tell you more about in a later date. But nothing there that really fits the description that Michelle left. But we did find one sighting that gave similar details. It took place just outside of O'Hare Airport, up in Chicago. The witness described the creature as follows. It had a long neck and a viper-like head, a thick body, and a long tail that ended in a spade-shaped appendage. The bat-like wings extended broadly from the side, almost with the same width as the length of the creature's body. F, the witness, states that it may have been 250 to 300 feet in altitude. Hard to tell since it was an overcast day. The creature was dark gray and black throughout its length. The wings were definitely large enough that he could tell it had a membrane or skin structure. After F and R watched it for a few seconds, the winged beast lowered its head and neck, dipped toward its left, then it flapped its wings twice and quickly disappeared toward the north. Now you can find that full report over in the show notes or at phantomsandmonsters.com. And the two sounded awfully similar to me. So, what exactly was it? Well, that's a much tougher question to answer. But thank you for reporting it, Michelle. Whatever it was. Now, folks, join me beyond. Simply visit patreon.com and search out Monsters Among Us podcast. Join one of our levels and boom, you're supporting the show and getting access to ad-free and bonus content. Visit Monsters Among Us podcast and click the Patreon tab to learn more. After all, it's beyond that we play stories like this one from Natalia in Parts Unknown. Hey Derek, Natalia calling back one more time. I just thought about this one. I wanted to share it. This is a story from my grandma from when she was young in her early 20s. She worked in downtown Detroit. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra. 
and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.